your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Thursday of Lacrosse Talk PM. Chris Maine sitting in here. I've previewed this all week, Chris. I'm like, Chris is coming in here, so bring your. We'll see if anyone asks. I don't know if anyone even has uh, COVID 19 virus questions, but Chris is a, bio, bio, a biology professor. How about that? <laughs> Huh? Should we do that? A biology professor at Viterbo, and he's an immunologist. Um, how, how do you like? How do you get into? You know what? I want to do this. Like, yeah. were you a weird kid that you know? I'm kind of into. I don't even know what I, you would be into. I mean, honestly, I always wanted to be a paleontologist because I loved dinosaurs when I was a kid, and then I came to realize I, I just loved science overall. Can you spell pterodactyl then, or? Oh, man, I would have been able to when I was like in third grade because I was that nerdy about it. But uh, but yeah, and so then I just learned I loved science and I loved DNA. And so I went and got my Ph.D. in genetics, but I studied the genetics of the immune response and the genetics of autoimmune diseases and how the immune system responds to infectious agents. So you were probably a kid that knew the brontosaurus wasn't an actual dinosaur. I, I did one that broke. That was big news in my world, you know, when I, I was a kid. I learned sure. that probably like a year ago or something. <laughs> I, was, yeah. I think there's a transformer that is a brontosaurus, but the yeah. brontosaurus isn't a yeah. dinosaur. Which is more which is more uh fictional, the transformer or the brontosaurus? You know? <laughs> the brontosaurus transformer. <laughs> that's the most fiction you can get. Um, yeah, well, let's just talk dinosaurs for the show. But if you have, if you have questions, if you have COVID-19 questions, Delta variant, what else, what other kinds of things when it comes to the pandemic right now, do you, do you, do you have people at school or in your, you must have people in your circle that, are, that just come to you with wacky stuff, right? Yeah, I, I think I am, I'm the go-to for a lot of my friends and a lot of Hence uh, you being here right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> about, about these sort of things, you know, especially when it relates to the vaccine, because the vaccine is really pretty tightly connected to immunology, which is what I work on. And I, you know, taught about vaccines and, you know, the, the natural concerns people have had and the misinformation around them for many years, actually prior to COVID ever being a thing. So it's, uh, I guess, kind of fortunate in the, in the way that I, I do have a little bit of knowledge on that and can help people. How much, I, I don't know if more popular would be the phrase, but in your circle, um, obviously with, between you and me, you've become it, inordinately more popular because I just, I steal you. I think this is four or five times now I've stole you in the past year, but before the pandemic did nobody, maybe nobody even knew what the hell you did or, or maybe as eh, a biology professor, he's probably, you know, dissecting frogs and that's all they figured out. And then the pandemic happens yeah. and all of a sudden your friends are like, wait a minute, or your family even, I, I mean, how much did your life change in that regard? One, 100%, especially my close friends, you know, from my hometown, I'm, I'm from, Lancaster, Wisconsin. I'm so I'm from not even from Lancaster. I'm from the country around Lancaster. So I'm I'm from a rural environment, and you know all my close friends there. All they know is I'm some kind of science nerd. Yeah. Uh, and then when I first started doing uh, this sort of work, they ask questions like, "Oh man, I didn't even know you you did all that kind of stuff. I just know Chris is the guy I BS sports with and you know go to Brewer games with or whatever." Um. Yeah. So you're all of a sudden everyone's asking you. Uh. Yeah. And I know you've gotten a couple of weird ones on the show here, but do you? Do, I mean, when you, you, do you have a lot of practice now getting just kind of out there questions about the, about COVID-19? Yeah. And the, and the key thing with anything is, right, if you're getting advice from someone and they pretend they know everything about everything, that's actually a bad sign, right? And so it's impossible for anyone to know everything about everything. And it's important to know the limits of what you know and also know when to, that it's okay to tell someone sometimes, I don't know, I can I can follow up on that though. And so a lot of times that's what I can help with is looking for 
you know, trustworthy information and giving them the information they need. Um, a lot of the, I don't know if it's, if there's jokes or, but like the comment section, a lot of times or Twitter, uh, the sub tweets, uh, you get, you, you get those other experts. Um, have you had a lot of people come at you as the expert where you're, you're literally, and some, you're literally some type of expert in, on viruses. And, and then maybe you get somebody that fires back. Uh-uh, I heard this. And then they're just hell bent on whatever they, whatever they have heard or they have quote unquote researched. And then you come back and you'd be like, no man. And then I don't know, do you just end the argument or do you have, what do you do there? Oh no, not, not usually actually. Uh, so I'm much more of an expert on the immunology, the, the immune system response. And I am the virus. And so more on the vaccine, but like people, definitely, you know, have had, you know, particular YouTube videos they've watched and they've been told something and away. And oftentimes those people are, I, when someone is feeling that way, I, I see them more as they're, they are victims of misinformation campaigns, right? Mm -hmm. People who are profiting off of their, their fear or their concerns or their misunderstanding of this. And, and so, no, I don't actually really uh, uh, get too, too much like, you know, no, I don't want to talk to you about it. It's, it's, it's natural. People are confused. There's a lot of information out there and it's overwhelming to a lot of folks. You, but you've had that, huh? You've had probably a couple of conversations well, like I've, that. I've had lots of interactions with folks where we go back and forth, uh, with, where they have some questions, I answer it and they have some more questions and then they, you know, go into the wrong parts of the internet again and get more, <laughs> more information that is scary or, uh, you know, misleading. And then I answer back and, you know, I've gone, yeah, 9,000, 10,000 words back and forth with yeah. friends of friends and things like that to try to help them out. Has your, has your life been that way before the pandemic? No. Have, have you had any, no, <laughs> not, the, not, not to that level. Because, no. because there are other viruses, there are other things that have happened in the world sure. that you would be, and then, but nobody's come at you with, uh, you know, SARS or something like that I, before the pandemic. Yeah, I've definitely gone to help people and give them a advice on things like autoimmune disorders or, you know, medical situations or helped, uh, you know, put them in contact with people who know more than me, but I haven't generally had quite so much of the, uh, pushback with other information they're hearing, but, but, you know, we were never in a pandemic with so much information out there from all kinds of different areas where it's hard to determine who is a good resource and who isn't. Um, at, as a professor of a turbo, how much do you incorporate what's going on in the world with what you're teaching? Because it's real time examples. You probably just, I mean, this is probably a weird, a weird way to take advantage of a terrible situation. though. Yeah. You're, you're touching on a, a challenge that, you know, it's, this is a historical situation that everyone needs to and wants to know more about. And so it's sort of my responsibility to make sure I'm helping my students, especially, you know, my students are going to be nurses and doctors and PTs and PAs to understand uh, what's going on, but also they're, they're as overwhelmed with it as the rest of us. They're as sick of COVID as anyone, right? You know, college students. And so I do try not to make everything about COVID. Uh, you know, we talk a little bit about it here or there, how the vaccine works when it re relates to uh, things we're learning. But then, yeah, I, I definitely make a very concentrated effort not to make everything about COVID because we're all sick of it. You know, it's all, yeah, it's exhausting to all of us. Well, I was thinking like the opposite, you know, not that you're going to make everything about COVID, but it's always, I think it probably uh, even your, your, your students have probably 10,000 more questions and, and it's just a better teaching example when we're just going, we're literally living through this thing and Hey, look at here. Oh, yep. This is a teaching example of how this virus is spreading, right? How this virus is uh, mutating. I don't know if that's college stuff. That might be high school stuff, the way the virus works at this point. But um, 
I mean, you must you must be teaching that anyway. And now you can go, hey, we got a Delta variant, and this is a perfect example of Chapter 2 in the whatever book, you know? Yeah, 100% that because so many people are hearing so much about this now, it is a natural touch point for just about anything. When I teach about how the lungs work, well, and here is how actually uh, the virus that causes COVID affects your lungs and why this is a concern, you know? And so it, there is... It does seem that it's a, it's a, it's a natural example a lot of times. It would be funny if you you made COVID COVID literally every part of every example. <laughs> like you just throw see a, how long it takes them just, to catch on. Wait you, a second. Yeah, one like you, you just in your head you make it like COVID Wednesdays, and every every sentence that you say or every like thought that you have, you just throw like some kind of COVID trope in there, and then until some one of your students, I don't, I don't even know if they would be like. uh Dr. Main, uh, can you stop with the code? Like, what now, are you doing? You, you got to remember, man, in college, these are all adults. They can just get up and leave whenever they want. So I think, <laughs> I think they would uh, vote with their feet in a hurry on that. I'm out. Um, all right, that's uh, Dr. Chris Main. He's a Viterbo biology professor. We haven't figured that out. We're going to talk about the virus a little bit. Uh, maybe talk about the Bucks game, too, when we wrap up. I was going to do that to start the show, but then uh, that, that definitely didn't happen. So we'll bury it at the end <laughs> if we have time. Um, I know a couple of you tried to call, so call me back. I just I, I was putting you on hold because I got to get through this first break. I didn't want to make you wait. Uh, well, I did actually want to make you wait on hold, but we'll be back. Brad's got to do the news. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line if you want to get in here. Dr. Chris Main, Viterbo Biology Professor in Immunologist. Immunologist. I thought, you know, it was like epidemi. Nope, he's not an epidemiologist. Uh, Epidemiology is the study of more the way in which diseases spread within populations. Okay. So I, I'm more interested in the way in which, or I'm more expert in the way in which uh, the immune system responds to infectious agents or uh, how it can lead to things like autoimmune diseases like multiple sclerosis or Crohn's disease or lupus. Um, where, where we're at with COVID-19, I mean, just what's your overall opinion? Let's just go... What do you think? U.S., Wisconsin, Lacrosse County. Where do you, where where should we start there? And and what you think we're at with uh, vaccinations and and the virus in general? Yeah. So I think you know. How about county? County wise? Sure. I, I mean, our our rates uh, of community spread right now are lower than they certainly were a while ago. Are uh, and that's largely attributable, right, to our vaccine rates being up. However, you know, we can always do much better on on vaccines than we are. You know, sitting in the 60% or so puts us, you know, comparable to most of the country. But I think we want most of the country to, to bump that number up to just because right now the disease is spreading primarily in, I shouldn't say primarily, almost entirely in unvaccinated individuals and included among that population are children, right? And so the rates of COVID in children have actually kind of gone up largely because they are one of the largest unvaccinated populations we have. Is that something we're going to have to really start to, I don't know, worry about when school starts? Uh, I am a father, and I personally have a little bit of concern about it. We are fortunate that so far uh, the current uh, versions of this disease most likely lead to mild uh, uh, mild forms of the disease in, in children, but... Uh, you know, that's not to say that it, it always will. And also, we know that, you know, at some small uh, rate, it does uh, lead to disease in, in kids. And so we we don't want any sort of disease in kids if we can help it, right? And so that is uh, something we want to uh, be concerned with, you know. And we're the FDA, and there are clinical trials being done right now uh, with the vaccines in kids. And 
I hope to hear about those in kids 12 and under soon. Uh, as someone who's got a under 12 year old, and I also have a 12 year old who just got her first dose uh, at her on her birthday, day after her birthday, just a couple weeks ago. So hopefully by school starts, she'll be actually fully vaccinated. When we we look at the what's that? Oh yeah, throw throw yeah, close that. Uh, you could just say it. We're we're not we're not too professional. Um, uh, we had to close the doors, yelling out there. But uh, in Lacrosse County, okay, when 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 they're doing these maps now, there's there's the map of the total population, the plus eighteen. It's just a matter of like you got to keep up. Now we we almost need to do twelve and all older for vaccinations. Now we need that percentage. Yeah, it is. It's in well, it's interesting. Just when you look at the data, you have to remember that. If we're looking at total population, let's say in the U.S., total population with at least one dose is something like 67%, depending on where you look. But that actually includes a whole bunch of people who aren't even eligible for the vaccine yet, who are 12 and under. And so really the the majority of the U.S. has gotten the vaccine, at least one dose with this new variant Delta. It does seem that that second dose is particularly important. So if you've gotten one and haven't quite made it in to get the second yet, definitely do that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it is, it is true that those, uh, include, uh, or exclude when we look at 18 up the, the between 12 and 18, I, I recently saw about 37% of folks, 12 to 18 have gotten it. So a good number of kids are getting it too. So that's great. Do you think maybe the messaging isn't out there either? Hey, 12 year olds, you can go get vaccinated. Yeah. And, and people I think are just more natural. It's, it's 100% human nature. I felt it myself as a dad that, you know, with a kid, you're just more protective of them. And that's why they were you know, second or third in line uh, for the clinical studies, right? We made sure it worked and it was safe, particularly in adults. And then we moved on to the 12 to 18s. And now we're testing in under 12s, right? And so that, that I think is part of it too, right? I don't know if this is BS or not, but my, and this is coming from my nephew who's 18. Uh, he said, cause he had COVID back, you know, probably nine, 10 months ago, maybe, maybe even more than that. Uh, he, so he had COVID, he's gone through it, uh, Doctor said he doesn't need to get the vaccine. He's had COVID. Yeah, that's that's not great advice, uh, particularly because we know uh, that the vaccine gives uh, more uh, robust immunity and it gives uh, uh, longer lived immunity. And particularly in the case of Delta, one of the things Delta does is it causes reinfections at a higher rate than other variants do. Uh, do. But it seems that the vaccines still hold off. And that's one of the most surprising things to people about vaccines is that it is the typical situation that vaccine mediated immunity is actually stronger and better than infection acquired immunity because we don't let the virus use its own tricks. COVID, for example, turns down something called interferon. So your immune system doesn't raise as good of immune response. And you can imagine how that's advantageous to the virus, but a vaccine doesn't let the virus use its superpowers. So it can actually convey stronger immunity. Interferon, that does sound like one of the Decepticons. It really does. <laughs> we, we could talk all day about comparing uh, transformer names and uh, uh, immune molecules. Um, all right, there's a bunch of people calling in. They got questions. Hopefully they got questions for, for Chris, uh, a biology professor, immunologist, uh, kind of a, kind of a, what would you, I say kind of, but like an expert in, in viruses and and therefore, pretty read up on COVID. I, w- I would say less of an expert on viruses, more of an expert on the immune system and immune responses. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I know more than average folks about the vaccine and COVID, but not as much as some people do. And if you ever message Chris with just a simple question, he will come back at you with um, 
75 page <laughs> basically a book that i i'll get to this later chris um all right first caller caller who's this you're on the air yeah it's joe hey joe um, go ahead. when you're when they're testing differently for vaccinated versus unvaccinated um they're testing when you if you go in and get tested they're testing you differently at a higher rate than they are a, a, a vaccinated person why is that uh, I guess I don't quite understand the question, Joe. So if someone is t- going so when they in test, get... so, what, so do you know about the testing when they test for COVID? Yes, I've been tested myself. They had certain cycles that they were testing people at during Trump, like 43 cycles. Um, and they, what they were trying to do was find a virus in your body, period. That's why we had so many people that, that said that they had COVID. And that's why they said the flu didn't exist, because... Uh, people were wearing masks, which we know um, that that wasn't true. Because if you're wearing, if you were wearing a mask, they were saying people were getting COVID because people weren't wearing a mask. But when they're testing um, these people, and they have a certain, uh, they're testing people at different cycles. They're looking for any kind of virus in your body. That's why asymptomatic isn't true. So, Joe, I do, I do know what you're referring to now. So you're referring to threshold cycle, which is sort of an in-the-weeds detail about what's called quantitative or real-time PCR, which is the way in which a test PCR genetic test, material right. uh, of uh, a virus is done. And there is a good amount of misinformation out there about how those tests are run and how you determine threshold cycle. And all of that, I can tell you, has been has been consistent. And the reason we know that is because there's actual samples you run as controls, as we call them in, in science. And so that helps define for you where you set those thresholds and what you call a positive test versus what you don't call a positive test. And quantitative PCR isn't really meant to uh, very accurately, the way in which it's used for diagnostics, determine, you know, whether or not there's, you know, a thousand versus 10,000 to an insanely accurate uh, level, right? And so those threshold cycles are determined in a very rigorous way. And I, and I can definitely tell you that that hasn't been changed in some sort of uh, dishonest way. All right. Thanks for the call, Joe. A couple more people calling in here before we get to Scott's comment of the news. Jim, is this Jim? Yes, it is. Jim, go ahead. You're on the air with Chris. Okay. Chris, are you familiar with a uh, uh, reporting um, site with st- statistics of deaths caused by vaccines in previous years? Which site? There's a site. Uh, I believe it's a government site. Yeah. I, I don't remember the name yeah. of it, but it's a site that you can go on, and yeah. it'll, it'll report yeah. the statistics of deaths that have been yeah. caused re- by vaccines. You're referring to fares. Yes. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very familiar with fares. Yes. I would encourage you, if you haven't, to go on there and find out. This is not being reported, the deaths that's being, uh, that people are, that are happening so, on this uh, yeah. covid so Jim, I can, I can definitely, I can definitely understand why VARES seems to be uh, a sort of scary site. So VARES is an open access site, and so that means anyone can go into it and can uh, type in what they believe has happened to them after a vaccination or any sort of side effect. And then what happens is epidemiologists and scientists and public health officials go through VARES because it's, a, it's what's called a hypothesis-generating site, and they try to see patterns, and then they follow up on those, and then actually scientifically investigate those. Now, one of the challenges and one of the problems and very sad parts about VAERS 
is that it has been co-opted by people who are trying to foment fear, who are trying to drive fear. Uh, particular uh, people, bad actors on the internet have promoted, hey, everyone go on VAERS and actually lie about things. And you know that that's true because you'll see people say that their baby died after the, the COVID vaccine. There's not been a single baby. No one under 12 had been vaccinated by the time that people were actually claiming this on VAERS. You can even look up an old VAERS report where someone claimed that the vaccine turned them into the Incredible Hulk. And so you can see that when you have an open source site that anyone can post to, there's good things about that because we can hear things that maybe we wouldn't have heard otherwise because maybe they couldn't get to their doctor to say. But we have to follow up those things because they can be taken advantage of. And that's what's happened with VAERS and why it seems so scary if you just go there and look at it. All right. Thanks for the call, Jim. Uh, be a bigger story if somebody turned into the Incredible Hulk. I think it would probably make CNN. I think it actually might increase vaccine uptake. Who doesn't want to be uh, Incredible Hulk? Uh, speaking of the Incredible Hulk, Joe's on. Go ahead, Joe. Hey, uh, this might be right in your realm. Um, I know that the RNA vaccine is kind of designed with a, a safety, um, kind of like a sunset for the RNA that's in there. But aren't we worried, especially if we're going to be injecting children with RNA, aren't we worried about later on in life, uh, maybe prion disease or abnormal protein growth if this RNA doesn't sunset like it's supposed to? I mean, aren't we worried about developing proteins or causing a prion disease? Yeah, so uh, for those of you who don't know, so prions are abnormal proteins that fold uh, in, a, in an abnormal way and then actually cause other proteins to fold abnormally. Do they turn green? Uh, they do not. Okay. Uh, RNA is the sort of instructions to make a protein. So uh, I guess one of the reasons I'm not so worried about that is these prions or prions are actually well-known, very, very specific types of proteins uh, that actually exist in us or in other animals, right? Mad cow disease, for example. Uh, and these are, you know, we have hundreds of thousands of, of different variants of proteins in our body, and these are just a, a couple. And so it'd be very unlikely that this this spike protein that we're using the instructions for uh, to create this mRNA vaccine would create any sort of misfolded protein that could then cause other proteins to misfold. That just seems highly unlikely. And we would have seen that if, if that were happening too. And, and one of the things to remember is mRNA vaccines, while this is the newest uh, and first time they've been fully approved, they have been used in clinical trials even 10 years ago for rabies, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. And so it's not that these haven't been around and haven't been used in humans. If they would cause long-term issues, we would have known from those folks who got those, I believe it was like almost 10 years ago now. All right. That's Chris Mann. He's a biology professor at Viterbo. He's an immunologist. we got to take a break. Scott's comment. Brad doing the news. We'll be back after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Chris Mann, Viterbo biology professor, immunologist, is in here with us talking about COVID-19 vaccines, transformers. Uh, we haven't talked about the Bucks or Noonball yet. Uh, we'll see if we can get to that. Um, going to the movies, let's just throw that out there. It's one of them things that, hey, we're doing this again. We, I don't, you know, I, I haven't gone to the movies, but I don't think we're requiring masks at the movies. It was weird when... You could go to the movies, but you had to wear a mask because it's like, well, how do I eat popcorn? Right, which is the whole point of going to and the movies. And then do I right? cut a hole in the in the thing for my straw to drink my 96-ounce <laughs> you know, soda? Sure. Um, stuff like that. Good idea, bad idea at this point? I mean, 
you know, everyone's personal uh, risk tolerance will be different. But, you know, if you are vaccinated and the people in the theater are vaccinated and your loved ones when you go home are vaccinated, you have to remember vaccination doesn't only uh, prevent you from getting infected at a very high rate. It does. Even if you get infected, the chances of you having symptoms, in particular having a severe case, are drastically reduced. And then not only that, your chances of passing that on to someone else are, again, reduced. And then if that person, let's say you have someone in your home, uh, a loved one, a significant other, is vaccinated, then your chances of passing it to them are significantly reduced because they are also protected. And so we get this compounding of protection that occurs with vaccines the more people that get them, which is why it's so important that people uh, – we keep uh, uh, taking these vaccines because we all help each other with them. And something like the movies, that's something that, that can be done when we have a high number of people vaccinated and low levels of disease. All right. Uh, Gary, or what's he here? I think this is Greg. Is this Greg? Yeah. Hey, Greg, thanks for waiting. Uh, you're on with Chris. Go ahead, man. Okay. So basically we have two different types of vaccines. Uh, Pfizer and Moderna are an mRNA vaccine. Yeah. And then the Johnson and Johnson's a more traditional uh, vaccine, made actually made from the virus. How do they work differently? Yeah, that's a great question. So, both in general, all vaccines, the goal is to essentially show a part of a virus or a weakened version of a virus to our immune system to have it raise an immune response, just like would happen uh, if you were infected. However, without the danger and without allowing that virus to use its own superpowers to turn down your immune response. The mRNA uses this molecule called mRNA as its sort of instructions to make a chunk of that virus called the spike protein. Uh, the Johnson & Johnson uh, uh, vaccination, on the other hand, uses what's called an adeno-associated virus. So basically they take another virus uh, sort of in this family that causes a minority of colds, but it's one that humans don't generally get, and they kind of hollow it out. They take the parts of it out uh, that can actually uh, cause disease, and then they put in this little chunk, again, the same one piece of, of the coronavirus. Now, importantly, it's not the whole thing, so it's not functional. It's just this one spike thing that our immune system naturally responds to anyway and puts it in there. So both of them re rely upon responses to the spike protein, and that's good because the spike is the key that the virus uses to unlock our cells and get into us. And if we can block that with our immune response, then that means that we'll be protected. And that's why both of these platforms, mRNA and the adeno-associated virus of Johnson & Johnson, both use that spike protein, just different ways to get it into us. Now, the person that took the Johnson & Johnson, are they the one that turned into the Incredible Hulk? Or? <laughs> I, you know, I don't remember which of them they claimed caused an incredible Hulkism. Have you read about, like, Cuba's kind of going through the news right now. Um, we have an embargo with them. We have, I don't know how you how you want to describe that at all, but they've they've had to come up with their own vaccine. Have you read about Cuba's vaccine at all? I have not. No, I have okay. not. I, I, know, I know a bit about that, that Russia also has developed its own and China developed its own, but I don't actually know much about Cuba's. Okay, because where, where we're at in the world is, you know, we're, we're doing okay vaccinations-wise in the U.S., mm -hmm. Um, but the the amount of COVID we deaths, at least have them. Yeah, yeah, the amount of COVID deaths. Uh, you know, and if if I just go to deaths, I mean, there's there's so many other things too, like just getting hospitalized from COVID is going to be a a real well, especially in the U.S. because a lot of people in their health insurance plans. But um, COVID deaths worldwide, there's actually been more COVID deaths worldwide this year in 2021. There were than there were last year, yeah. and that's and and would you say that's just yeah. because 
because of the vaccine. Yeah, and I saw that stat as well. And it's only been half a year, right? And so it is because of the vaccine, right? The, Not literally because of the vaccine, no, it's but because, because of the lack of the vaccine. Because of the lack of, yeah, <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> because of the for- lack of, of vaccine. And that's one thing that we need to do better as, as a world leader. I mean, if, if we pride ourselves as being a world leader and helping to protect those who maybe aren't as powerful as us, then one of the ways to do that is to make sure we're exporting our vaccines to those countries. Maybe if it isn't even to profit us, because it will help us in the end also. Not only is it a good humanitarian thing to do to protect people and save their lives, but also, right, when you're talking about the way variants get created, variants come about by infecting people. A virus doesn't live outside of the human body. It can only replicate itself in our body. And so if we can keep people from getting a virus inside of them, then that virus can't replicate, which means it can't mutate. And so every time a virus replicates, it's like throwing a a dice and seeing if it comes up or buying a lottery ticket would be a better uh, uh, analogy, I think. And the more people get infected, the more lottery tickets this virus can buy to try to, say, get away from vaccines. So far, it hasn't done that. Or, say, have more severe disease in children. So far, it hasn't done that either. But what it has done is made itself so it spreads faster and easier in those who are unvaccinated. And it's actually also uh, uh, made itself uh, yeah, easier to, easier to spread is, is the biggest thing that I was, I was thinking of. Yeah. Well, we have a Delta variant now that's going through the news. Is it mostly because it's very uh, transmissible? It's very uh, contagious? Yeah, highly, highly transmissible. And it's interesting that when we were uh, just today, I, I read a preprint that is looking at why is it more transmissible? Because there's lots of reasons it could be. And it seems that when it gets in you, it just replicates very quickly. It gets very high numbers of virus in you very early. So that allows it to be spread easier. All right. We're going to take another call here. Yeah. Uh, is this Eric? It is. Hey, Eric, you're on the air if, with Chris. Go ahead. Hey, Chris. I uh, just have a question. Um, you know, largely, the virus hasn't shown to to have, um, you know, bad results, I guess, in children. Um you know, but you hear this uh, this myocarditis thing going on with with children. Um, I guess w- at what point do we say uh, you know children are being affected much by the virus as far in in the way of COVID nineteen? Yeah. Um, well, yeah. What's the risk benefit? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. That's a great question, Eric. So, kids are very. We are very fortunate that this virus doesn't affect kids at the same rate as it does older people. Uh, But it does, at a small rate, it leads to something called uh, multi-inflammatory syndrome C, uh, which we've had a few cases of in lacrosse, actually, uh, from what I remember. And uh, we do also have to remember that death isn't the only outcome, right? And if anyone, any of you have talked to friends and family members who've gotten COVID, we probably all know people who have these long COVID symptoms, you know, affecting your taste and your smell or sometimes causing fatigue or had students who are collegiate athletes who, you know, now get winded trying to, to run, you know, it, and it's, it's sad. And we don't want that to happen to, to kids either. Now, the myocarditis you're referring to is a low rate of myocarditis that's been, a, been seen in some people who've gotten the vaccine, but it's actually not known yet if it's associated with the vaccine because we're following people who get the vaccine so closely. We're like, oh, we're seeing some of these things. Now, is it due to the vaccine? We still don't know. But what we do know is that COVID also causes myocarditis. And so we have, can't compare the vaccine only to nothing, right? We have to compare the vaccine to getting COVID. 
And so COVID causes myocarditis at a higher rate than the vaccine does. And so that's one of the, the things that I think really tips that risk-benefit uh, sort of ratio you're talking about in the direction of the vaccine being a better option. All right. That's Dr. Chris Main, Viterbo biology professor, immunologist. we got to take one more quick break. We'll wrap up. Uh, if you got questions, 608-785-7914. We'll be back. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Chris, do you have a roof? Do you have I, a house? I do have a roof. Do you, have, do. do you own a roof, I should I, say? I have a roof on, on the house. It, it really helps, you know, to do those roof-like things. <laughs> so uh, if you go to wisdomnews.com, maybe when, you, uh, when you're when you driving home, let's yes. do that. Uh, but if you go to wisdomnews.com and click free stuff or what is it? No, win stuff, free stuff. It might be free. Uh, there's a link on there. Uh, you can win a roof, uh, which is kind of cool and crazy. And like I, I could use a new roof. I don't think I'm yeah. eligible, but maybe you are. Um, from Right Choice Construction. So if you go to wisdomnews.com, click Win Stuff, uh, sign up right there, White Choice, uh, Right Choice Constructions, uh, giving away a roof. They're going to announce that August 7th, uh, up to $25,000, residential only, only. So for you, if you're trying to get your science building a new roof, I don't think it'll work. A, a Right Choice Construction roof to protect your house, just like these vaccines <laughs> can pr- protect you from COVID. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Professional plug. Um, did we do enough on the Delta variant? I mean, it's, yeah, I think it's just more contagious. Does I, there, is it, is it more dangerous to me if yeah. I get it because I'm going to have some more severe. It's a great, effects. great question. Still, still trying to be hammered out. What we do know, definitely more transmissible. Now it's hard. You can imagine when something's more transmissible and spreads a lot easier, it's kind of sometimes hard then to differentiate if more people are dying. Is it because when it gets in you, it's also more deadly and I just don't think we quite have great answers on that yet right now, partly, too, because the people who are getting infected now are kind of a different population than were back before any vaccinations, right? And so it, the, all these things are always very complex at the epidemiological level. But definitely we know it tra- it's more easily uh, transmitted. It, it replicates faster. It gets higher levels in people, which allows them to spread it to people easier, too. We've had two crazy stats, right? The, the, the And we've only said one. One one being more people have died of COVID this year than last year worldwide, which worldwide. Is, yep. seems, I mean, easily, easily explained. Hey, uh, other countries don't have the, the vaccine as well as we do. And people, and then the other stat kind of in relation to that is in the U.S., I believe 99% of the COVID deaths, I don't know, in the, in the, whatever the last month that they measured it were people that were unvaccinated, 99%. Yeah, basically, since the vaccines have, have been rolled out, oh, okay. 99% of, deaths and not only that it's you know upper 90s for hospitalizations are all among unvaccinated folks right now which just really underscores the importance and why i I like doing this because i you know i i I care about my community members who are haven't gotten it yet and there's no blame on that there's no you know a lot of people are just it's, it's a lot of information it's overwhelming it's it's stressing it's also people are busy man it's hard to to find time to get this stuff done uh you might feel crummy the next day, you know, so you got to kind of plan for that. And it's hard. And and I just want more folks to be protected because right now it does seem like we're creating these sort of two classes of folks, people who are at danger of being severely affected by the disease and those who are not. And we need to get more folks into that category of those who are not at risk. Um, percent of adults in La Crosse County who are vaccinated, uh, let's see here, at 18 and over, uh, complete series 64.2. But if you go to the surrounding counties, Trimple is actually a little better than us at 66%. 
But Jackson County, 47.2. Monroe County, 48%. And Vernon County, 56.7%. So they're, you know, some are 10, 12, 14% yeah. In nation, below Nationwide, us. you see an almost north-south gradient, too, sometimes. Northeast being very high. Uh, you know, the western part of our country being very high in vaccination rates. But then the, the, the south, the southern uh, states, are, are quite low rates. All right, we have one minute, but... Uh, Winter is coming eventually. Do we have to worry about anything? Because flu season, we yeah. we did this before, but is, it, will it be the same kind of precautions like flu season and, and COVID and Delta variants? And most most respiratory illnesses show seasonality. So most respiratory illnesses are worse in winter than in summer, and there's lots of reasons for that: humidity, heat, sunlight, more people collecting inside. Right? Like you know, I when I go out now, I'm outside all the time anyway because I want to enjoy the weather, and so likely. Uh, as you move into more winter months, it will increase the risk of all respiratory illnesses, uh, COVID included. All right. And then last question, probably the most important question. We, I mean, we only got 10 seconds here. Um, bucks in six or? Bucks in six. Bucks got, in six. Got, got to be, right? I mean, <laughs> I actually don't even care. I, as long as it's bucks in six or seven, I, I am good with either of those options because yeah, man, it's been exciting, but I'm not sure my heart can take too many more. All right, that's Viterbo Biologist Chris Main. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks. That's all we got. Thanks for listening. Thanks, sir.